0: Morning, everyone. Morning. If you just calm down, you're like little children. (laughs) Very good morning to you and anyone that's watching online as well. You're very welcome to our service this morning. It's another beautiful day. It's great to see it, and I have just a a few announcements uh, for you. Uh, There'll be a, a short meeting of Kirk Session immediately after this morning's service. The Zoom prayer time, we're having another Zoom prayer time this Wednesday night. That's Wednesday, the 24th of August at 8 p.m. And the focus will be on the coming year, organizations restarting and plans being made. And if you see the order of service for joining, instructions to join in with Zoom, uh, it's on the order of service. Our Boys' Brigade Girls Association are looking for leaders, um, as unfortunately some of their leaders have recently stepped away. Um, please, would you please give urgent and prayerful consideration to whether you can assist in a leadership capacity? Um, I'll be on holiday from Tuesday, this Tuesday, the 23rd of August, until Friday the 9th of September, inclusive. So, as uh, you require the services of a minister, uh, during that time, please contact uh, the Clerk of Session, Billy Heintman. Um, we notice here that small books for the d- daily bread are in the vestibule. The large books are out uh, coming out in September, and we're also looking for volunteers after this service to move all the chairs to the side for cleaning and polishing of the floor. Okay, so I think that's all of the announcements out of the way. Um, I'd like to start by reading First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 12 verses 26 to 27. Um, I want to look today at the, the importance of the body of Christ, the importance about being together as a body, uh, being a family. and uh, this particular passage sort of kicks us off into the beginning of the service. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored every part rejoices with it. you get that? <laughs> if one part suffers, that means you or I or any part of this body of believers suffers, goes through a difficult time. We all suffer together. And if all of you rejoice, whether that be graduation or a birth of a new child or whatever, we rejoice together as one body. Now, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Let's pray a minute. Father, we just, we thank you, Lord, that we can come, Lord, in from the busyness of this world and the demands of this world and the consumerism of this world and so many trying to catch our attention. And we can come in and we can just settle our hearts Lord, before you to be still and to know that you are God and that you have us in the palm of your hands. And Lord, that we, are, we have one another here. We have shoulders to cry on, people to care for, people to encourage, and people to uplift. And we pray, God, that you would take us forward, Lord, into this new year uh, exactly like that, Um, with every hinge oiled, with all of our, uh, all of the necessary fruits of the Spirit moving amongst us, that we might be a blessing and build one another up, and in turn be a light and salt to our own community. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. May you be glorified. May you be lifted high, Lord Jesus, because we know when you're lifted high, Lord, you'll draw us in you'll draw us in. We pray, God, for this this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start with, it's a good Easter song, but why just celebrate the resurrection at Easter? You can celebrate it every day of the week, and it's called See What a Morning. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 10, again about the body of Christ. "Therefore Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. will never be put to shame now to him who believe this stone is precious but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall they stumble because they disobey the message which is also that what they were destined for but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this is the word of God. So, um, discipleship is about kingdom building. It's, it's about leading people into a relationship with Christ. It's then taking them from that relationship and helping them to mature in their faith, mature in their relationship with Jesus Christ until they're made disciples. And, and we as a body or a family, we're here to, to help with that, to help you to become the people that God wants you to be ultimately. And you're there to help me to become the person that God wants me to be. And um, so I have a little recap of a wee thing called discipleship recap. I've showed you this before, but I will show it again because I think it's it's sort of very succinct about keeping our priorities right as we think about a new church here. What is a church? What is a body and um, what has God called us to do? Let's have a wee look at it here for a couple of minutes. So um, I'm sure you've recognised a, a fella sitting down in the front here, and uh, it's Ben Cavan, our new community outreach worker. I'd just like to welcome Ben, uh, and he's come part of our family. And uh, so uh, Tom has been keeping the congregation informed about the process all the last well, well before I came. And so I've asked Tom to come and to uh, interview Ben, and just that you might get to know him a wee bit. But it'll be, be around for a a while, so you'll get a chance.
1: Okay, so just invite you up. So.
2: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to really repeat something that Mark has just said. I'm going to welcome Ben, and I'm going to welcome in two capacities. Certainly welcome as our community outreach worker, but Ben is also a member of Ballycroch and Presbyterian Church. He's joined the congregation, and in that regard, I want you to welcome him. Well, ben Ben and I had a chat about the questions I might ask him and the ones I shouldn't ask him. Um, the first one's just really a, a warmer up. So Ben, where did you grow up and go to school?
3: Yes, good morning, everyone. I am a proud Bangor boy, Bangor City, amazing. Uh, I went to the amazing schools of Ballyhum Primary School and Bangor Grammar School, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So,
2: <laughs> Does that by any chance mean you know some members of our congregation? And if so, would you tell us any you do know?
3: Well, I do know a few. A few of my teachers, which is unfortunate for me, because I'm sure when they heard the name, they told you all my dirty little secrets. Uh, I know Laura and Tom Henry. Um, I know Katrina Payne, if she's here. Um, I know a few parents from BGS. I recognize a few up in the balcony up there as well. So just a few people. And of course, Mark and yourself, Tom. Thanks, Ben. So that means your card's marked
2: before you even start. Um, Whenever you were in sixth form, What career did you have in mind and um, what did you study when you went to uni?
3: Yeah, so really from when I was about fourth year, the dream was to become a lawyer, more specifically a barrister, you know, the one in the funky wig and gown, so you can picture that if you will, but, so that was what I wanted to do in sixth form, I therefore worked hard, got decent grades, and got into Queen's University Belfast to do law. As you can tell, I'm a real home bird. I wanted to be near the banger, uh, lived at home first year, second and third year lived up in Belfast, but came home at the weekends um, to see mum and dad for the free cooking, all those perks, you know, yourself, so... Thank you. Well, uh, when did you first give your life to
2: Christ, and how did your faith develop, and what were the main influences on you
3: in your maturing Christian discipleship? Yeah, so I would say I've always believed in God whatever that looked like when I was younger. Um, whenever I was eight it was when I first gave a profession of faith at a holiday Bible club at Ballyham Presbyterian Church, um, but it didn't really make any meaningful impact, and that's sort of how I lived for the younger years of my life, and that particularly came to the fore when I was a teenager, just lived like any other teenagers do these days. You wouldn't have picked me out of a crowd to say I was a Christian by any means, um, So then, when I was about 14, my dad left the church. And because I didn't care so much for the church, I left as well. Um, But I still went along to youth clubs at Ballyham Church of Ireland, where I went before this. And that was good, uh, being discipled there. But that was sort of my only church. And while that has its benefit going to things like YF, I was missing out on that actual church body and coming on Sunday mornings. So then when I was about 16, I got really interested in apologetics, which is like uh, arguments and evidence for the Christian faith. So that got me, especially as uh, a legal-minded person. So I was looking into that and then realized God was real, the Bible was real, and sort of thought, well, if this is real, I should really live like it's real. So that was a real journey. And around the same time as that, I started to have some experiences with God and with people encountering God as well. Um, And so then that led to me being baptized, When I was in Upper Sixth, it was a lovely sunny day at Ballyham Beach, and that was lovely. Um, I got involved in some ministries, especially when I was in Queen's University. Um, I did a nightclub ministry, handing out water. I was on the streets chatting to people, um, just doing a bunch of different stuff. And I got involved in ministries at my own church as well doing prayer ministry I was playing the band as well so you might have the unfortunate task of having to hear me play sometime um but yeah I just got more involved and you know that journey is continuing and uh, God keeps refining me and has turned me into the Christian man I am today so well thank you Matt.
2: can I ask you outside of your studies and your Christian volunteering what
3: did, what did you do with your spare time not much, no. Um, <laughs> I really just love the Lord, so I love theology and like love reading around that. But outside of that, I do love uh, watching the odd sports. Uh, I used to play rugby, wasn't very good, but I was on the subs, so I can't complain. Um, I watch darts and snooker, great sports, uh, can't play them now. I love a good walk. You know, I live near Ballyham Beach, so I'm there at about 11 o'clock at night, sitting on the wee bench, having a wee pray. It's good. Uh, I love jumping into the sea, especially at Orlock. If anyone's been to Orlock, it's a great spot. Uh, And that's about me. I'm quite a a vanilla guy, really. Don't do much. Uh, I watch television the old time, but not as much anymore, really. Um, So, yeah, love a good laugh. Well, thank you, Ben. Ben, you had
2: a a choice at some stage of pursuing a career in legal services or um, in some other direction, for example, Christian service. Why did you choose Christian service instead of legal service?
3: Well, in short, God, um, so what happened was whenever I got to sick form, I started really questioning because it was becoming reality, not sick form, sorry last year, uni this year. Um, I started questioning because it would become reality. Is this what I want to do with my life and that was then confirmed when i didn 't get the grades I needed to to get into the institute, which is the place where you study to practice law full time so I was left um, with a bit of a conundrum. I thought maybe I might do a Christian internship of some form for maybe a year and then go back into the law. But then I looked and there was none available. And so I was left, I remember, just at the end of May there, so quite recent, with no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go and do a master's degree for the sake of it. I felt done with academics. So I was really confused and I prayed to God. And I'm really blessed because I know some people who have that similar issue and, you know, are waiting months or years to know what God wants them to do. But about a week later, I saw the advert for the job. And then I prayed about it. I talked to a few people about it. And just all the sort of experiences I'd had, I thought, you know, this sounds like a job I could really see myself in. Um, so, of course, prayed about it. And here we are. So the Lord must be doing something.
2: Ben, um you've chosen to come into community outreach work and i'm interested to know what attracted to you to that and led you to apply for this job
3: yeah a few things attracted me to it i think first of all it's really good because it encompasses a wide range of people to reach um, whether it's from you guys whether it's from the wee toddlers down to here anyone is sort of on my parameter and i just love it because it allows me to be relatable although i'm young I've experienced a lot already in my life and can really relate to people, can show them grace because I've been shown grace by God. And so that's exciting because it means that I don't want people to feel like they're going to be judged by me, but that I can understand them and hopefully lead them to, to love Jesus. Um, it's also exciting because in being involved in those ministries I said about I have a real passion for sharing the gospel, and this is such an opportunity to do that for a living. And Banger is such a wide area and lots of unreached people here so it's a real opportunity and to connect with people I've probably met because I've been around Bangor my whole life and to just try and bring them into this church body will just be so amazing and yeah so I'm just really excited and I just think everything that I've done in my life God's built me up and led me to this place so
2: and and finally Ben and we're excited about that too but Uh, You're now a member of our Christian family, and I should put it the other way around. We are part of your Christian family. And
3: that being so, what can we do to help you achieve your vision? So, you know, in the future, Mark's going to be doing a series on prayer, and I think just support me prayerfully. Um, I really need God's strength to, to get through this, and the prayers of you guys would be really helpful. Also just um, give me advice, you know, sometimes when you look at someone who's employed by the church, you think they're unapproachable or um, won't want to hear what you have to say, but I'd love to hear what you guys have to say, some ideas you might have, I'd love to take them on board and really pray about them and consider them. Um, and just uh, to, to make it clear that I'm really approachable, so please feel free to come up and chat to me and ask me if anything or any concerns you might have, and I'll try and take them on board. So, yeah, just support me prayerfully and just make suggestions. I'm still learning, and I know some of you guys will have lots of good wisdom to teach me. So. Ben, thank you very much. You've
2: answered the questions very fully, and I just want to thank you, and I thank Mark for giving us a chance to learn a bit more about you, and I just pray that God will bless you, and bless Mark, and bless all of us in his service. Thank you.
0: Thank you, and can I just underline that. Continue to pray for Ben, and... uh, Just pray that he he just settles in and that God starts to move him and guide him in whatever direction that God's wanting him in. Okay, um, we're going to stand. We're going to worship God within Christ alone.
1: So Bible class and Sunday club are
0: welcome to leave now, to go out, and also creche is available on my left here, just through those doors and into the left, in the quiet room. I'm going to ask Adrienne Jordan
1: to come, and she's going to do our intercessory prayer for us this morning. Thank you, Adrian. <clears throat> so we're going to stand. We're going to worship God. who oh, praise the name of the Lord Most High.
0: father we just want to ask you to come by your holy spirit come upon your word and take your word and lord apply it singe it in our hearts lord that it would thrill us today that it would excite us today that it would give us strength for tomorrow in the name of jesus christ amen I just, I want to speak on, this morning on Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. If you have a Bible, if you'd like to look it up, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. I'm quite nervous because I've never preached on this, on this passage ever before in my life, but uh, here goes. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere faith, our sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for we who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, So, be a wee bit patient with me this morning because I, I want to go into this scripture and It can, in a wee bit, be heavy in places, but I can assure you there's gold dust that is right throughout this passage. Um, And I want to speak on three headings this morning. Um, I want to speak on, first of all, draw near to God, secondly, hang on to hope, and thirdly, care for others. Draw near to God, hang on to hope, and care for others. But let me just set the scene for this passage this morning. Early on in Hebrews 10, earlier on, if you were to read it, uh, the writer of the Hebrews quotes Psalm 40, verses 68. It's a psalm of David, and he says, "'Sacrifice and offering,' he writes, "'you did not desire, but my ears you have opened, um, "'burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. "'Then I said, here I am, I am come. "'It is written about me in the scroll.'" I desire to do your will. O God, your law is within my heart. Well, you might read that and you might think, well, that's as plain as mud. (laughs) But just hang in there a moment. Just hang on. Because when David writes this, he's under incredible pressure. We don't know exactly what pressure he's under, but he's under incredible pressure and he describes himself as being in a slimy pit. Ever felt like that? A slimy pit, a hard, difficult situation that feels like there's no way out. When David writes this, he's been just awful, an awful, awful pressure. And as David waits then patiently for God to lift him out of this slimy pit, he comes to the realization that God hates just the, the mere Old Testament sacrifices. He says he realizes that sacrifice and offering god you don't desire that that's not what your heart is about he says but my ears you have opened the literal translation of the hebrew translation is but my ears you've dug for me you ever been to get your ears cleaned out the wax cleaned out of them. If you have, you know what it's like where your ears have been bunged for so long and you've been hard to hear. And then suddenly you go to someone and they clear out the wax and you can hear again. And David is saying, God has given me this ability as I've waited on him. He's given me this ability to hear him. And I'm hearing them loud and clear that sacrifices in the Old Testament are not what God's heart is about. It's not what God gets excited about. Um, It's about, and he goes on to point out, it's about obedience. Now, uh, there are some scholars that, that link this particular passage to Exodus 21. Exodus 21, you should read this passage. It's about if I was a businessman, for example... If I was a businessman, but a very poor businessman, and I spent a lot of money in my business, and I got into serious debt, and I owed one particular person an awful lot of money, then I would become bankrupt. But more than that, I would become their slave or their servant. And God doesn't like slavery. God hates slavery, but he, he, he sort of regulates it a bit because it's part of the culture. So he says to any Hebrew, if you ever own a servant who's working off his debt for you, you must let that servant go after six years, no more than six years. So at least there was that guarantee that that person was going to get freed after six years. The seventh year he'd be let out and he'd go free. He'd go back to his own home, back to his own, whatever he wanted to do. But say, for example, during those six years i've met a wife i've had a couple of children my master that i work for he looks after me very very well anytime the kids are ill he's first round round to the doctors pays everything looks after me incredibly well well i might decide as his hebrew servant i might decide hold on a minute I could go out and start another business. I could mess that up, become bankrupt, and the next master I get might be much worse. What about if I just stay under his service? So I could go and talk to him, and we could arrange to see the judges, and if I decided to remain under his service, yes, it would mean I have no rights on my life, Yes, I would mean I would have no holidays, official holidays. Yes, it would mean that I'd have no bank account.
1: But my master treats me well. So I agree to do it. And so I get my ear
0: pierced against the door, and everyone throughout my life knows that I belong to that master. Now, I'd like you... To find for me a better example of what it means truly to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in the Scriptures, I don't think you'll find one. Where I give my life to Jesus Christ, I have no rights on my life. My life is now his. The money that I have belongs to him. My home belongs to him. My clothes belong to him. My family belongs to him. My ministry belongs to him. But he treats me incredibly well. Couldn't be happier. It's wonderful. Now, uh, David has learned from the previous king, who's King Saul, who kept on disobeying. He's learned he's learned a, a valuable lesson from him that to obey is better than sacrifice. And so in this particular psalm, in Psalm 40, he's sitting down and he says, I've got time to wait on God. I've got time to meditate on God. I've been in a slimy pit, a difficult situation, and I've realized That I needed to surrender my heart and my life over to God and to be totally and committed, totally and utterly His as His servant.
1: He's not into sacrifices, He's into obedience, He's into surrender. But
0: it's interesting then in this passage in Hebrews because Jesus is quoted in Hebrews here. but he uses a different translation what was known as the septuagint which was the greek translation of the hebrew bible in the old testament and the actual translation there it's not but my ears you've dug out the translation there is but a body you prepared for me so our relationship with god is like a pierced ear situation You've dug my ears out. I'm now hearing you, God, and now I'm giving my life to you. With Jesus, as he quotes in Hebrews, as it's quoted in Hebrews, he's saying instead
1: of that, it's been a body that's been prepared for you. Not a pierced ear, but pierced hands and pierced feet. Not a pierced
0: ear, but a pierced side. Roman steel going in the side. Here I am. Psalm 40, going back to Psalm 40. Here I am. Here I am. It's written about me in the scroll that says, I desire to do your will. My God, my law is written in my heart. Your law is written in my heart. And for that, that, that screams out at me, Gethsemane, Gethsemane, Gethsemane. Not my will, Father, not my will be done, but yours be done. Pierced hands, pierced feet, pierced
1: side. No wonder we're told he's faithful. No wonder we're told he's faithful. At any
0: moment he could have walked away, but he walked up the Via della Rosa and onto the cross and stared there. All right, this is the background then to our, our text uh, today. Um, verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. See, for generations, it had been the task of the high priest to enter the Holy of Holies. A place really in the temple where no one else apart from the high priest was allowed to go once a year. It was where the intense presence of God was. If you got a glimpse of that, you'd liable to end up on your back dead. This was the intense presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And the high priest was allowed to go in once a year and sprinkle a little blood of a lamb upon the mercy seat for the sins of the people. But now... Because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us, we can enter into God's presence at any time. He is our eternal priest, our eternal high priest. And as he goes on to explain, we enter by a new and living way, which has been opened for us, opened for us through the curtain that is His body. As Christ's body, as you know, was torn apart upon the cross, the curtain, the veil of the temple, which was the, the reckoned 60 feet high by nine centimeters thick, it is ripped from top to bottom to show that God's presence is no longer confined behind a curtain, but has come to you through Jesus Christ. You know, uh, there's a permanent access. That's incredible. So if you're having a difficult day, if you're going through a massive storm, if you're going through a massive hard time in your life, a tsunami, you can go right into the presence of the living God as if you were walking straight into the Holy of Holies into his presence, and you've got his full attention, because Christ, dying on the cross, has ripped open from
1: top to bottom the veil that separated us from him. In earlier in in
0: Hebrews, the writer writes, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. With confidence. Mark Shaw can go in with confidence. I can walk up to Christ with confidence. I can walk into God's presence with confidence that we might receive mercy and find grace in time of need. I think that's, that deserves a hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're going to go through in 10 years' time, you have Christ right beside you in your presence. He's in your presence, you're in his presence, and nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. That is amazing. Christ is our access into God's presence, and you know what? He's our advocate. Which means, someone there, if you're too nervous to talk to the Father when you come, there's someone there to
1: talk on your behalf for you. If God is for us, no wonder Paul writes,
0: God is for us. Who can really be against us? If we have this God from the Holy of Holies and we've got a relationship with him and he's in us and we're in him and he's
1: right there for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? And notice that the
0: writer, he speaks concerning us. Doesn't he? Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's us. It's us. It's us. We're his body we are his family now the three pieces of advice given to us by the writer are these and these are a lot shorter don't worry these are in short points draw near to god great advice draw near to god let us draw near to god with a sincere heart with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. In the light of what we've just talked about, let's draw near to God. Let's take advantage of this. This is free access. Let's do it then. Let's draw near to God. Under the Old Testament covenant, the people had been sprinkled with blood, but now trusting in Jesus Christ, their hearts had been sprinkled with the Christ's blood, and for the first time in their lives, they are free from guilt. No more is God pointing the finger at them. They are free from a guilty conscience, free, forgiven, washed. Come now, let's reason together, though your
1: sins are like scarlet, as stark as scarlet, They shall be as white as snow. Let
0: us draw near to God with a true or a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. And that's that's worship coming in in worship. If we got a 50-pound voucher for TK Maxx, you'd be down there tomorrow getting something. You would! Christ has just won us such a privilege, such a benefit to draw near to his Father and to be in His presence for as long as we want and to ask whatever we want and to be totally open with Him and how little we may take advantage of that. But the heart represents the mind. Come with a heart. Come with a heart that is sincere. The heart represents the mind and the will and the emotions. It's the whole inner life. Let us draw near to God through the blood of Christ with true, sincere, genuine, wholehearted love for God, holding nothing back. Holding nothing back. Apathy, give it a kick down the road and give your heart full to Christ. When Jesus says to the woman at the well in John 4, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. I feel sorry for the Father in that verse. This sounds like the Father has been looking through the whole of the Old Testament for people whose hearts will genuinely, wholeheartedly be given to him in worship. And so far he's only found a handful. Jesus says he's looking for someone. What he's saying is that God desires those whose entire human spirit is engaged in worship. That that's what they want to do. Likewise, indeed, in prayer, and we'll be looking at a series of prayer come late September, Draw near to God with undivided hearts, undivided loyalties, single-minded in our prayers, our survival as an effective body of Jesus Christ as salt and light depends on being in the presence of God and being fired up by him and sent out by him. Second piece of advice is hang on to hope. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised he's faithful. There's a professor in New York City, William M. Marston, and he asked 3,000 people, what have you to live for? What have you got to live for? And he was shocked to discover that 94% were simply enduring the present while they waited for the future, waited for something to happen, waited for next year, waited for a better time, waited for someone to die, waited for tomorrow. Life is so uncertain. Life is so fragile. Many people live with their feet on ungrounded hope, a very fragile hope. But the Christian hope has substance. Hebrews six nineteen to 20. We have this hope as an anchor, an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner has entered on our behalf. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in what he's done and in who he is. That's where our hope is. And this writer is so confident at that that he describes it as an anchor. Now, no sailor would ever go to sea without an anchor. A sailor knows that storms may arise when the very hope of the ship's survival and all her crew is not dependent upon the captain or the crew, the engines, the compass or the rudder, but on the anchor. There are times and situations at sea when things go so bad, the engines pack in, everything seems lost, and the only thing that stops them from moving away from their point is the anchor." When all else fails, there's hope in the anchor. And we sail through the storms and the battering of life. And sometimes life can give you a batter on the left, a batter on the front. It can flip you up. It can flip you over. And you're exhausted. And you're stunned. But in who Christ is, our anchor is solidly in Christ not in the sea, but in who he is and what he can do for you. And the fact that you can go into his holy of holies presence anytime, night or day, about any concern that you have, and you will find comfort and peace and strength for the situation. You know, the actual literal Greek translation for this verse is, let us hold... On unbendingly, unbendingly to the hope we confess for he who promised is faithful. Again, us. Let us, as brothers and sisters in Christ, third piece and final piece of advice care for others. Care for others. Verse 24, 25. And I've often said that when I came in here, I, haven't, like, I just felt the, the warmth in this body. We've got to promote that. And not just sit back and say, oh, we've got a wee welcome committee and we've got enough here doing. We've got to keep promoting that because there are people out there who feel very unloved and very unworn and very uncared for. And Jesus says, what's going to make the difference is if they see my disciples with the love that they have for those broken people. There are many reasons that people find for not coming to church. It has always been the case as far back as the New Testament, but we must always keep a check on our church that one of those reasons is never due to a lack of love and a lack of generous kindness. The writer encourages the members of the congregation to not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I know that this COVID-19 pandemic has not helped. And those who feel vulnerable, I don't want them coming out if they don't feel safe yet. I'm not putting them under any pressure. I wouldn't want to do that at all. But I'd like to encourage those families, especially young families who, as a result of the pandemic, have found themselves getting involved, perhaps in something else on a Sunday morning. Uh, You may feel it's almost like you've been... You've been traveling on a particular train track and you've been going to church 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 and then suddenly there's covid and and suddenly you've been diverted onto another track and you find something else on a sunday morning to do and you've got involved in that which is a natural thing to do during the pandemic and lockdown but if that is you may i just encourage you to return again for a number of reasons apart from the fact that
1: we miss you apart from the fact that we miss you one reason would be that in church on a sunday morning
0: we come here to meet christ and we're meeting him in a special way when we worship together it's special it's true that a person doesn't need to go to church to be a Christian, but as we worship together, there's a special intensity. You know, there's a special sense of adoration. There's a great sense, often, of the presence of God who comes to meet with us and connect with us. And this is something you can't get online. My friend used to be turned down a lot by girls for dates. (laughs) And I, I sort of benefited from it. Because <laughs> the, there was one time he was ter- he went and asked a girl to go to Le- see Les Miserables in the Grand Opera House, and she said no. So I got a free ticket for that. <laughs> and then and then there was another one, the Eagles, which I was more interested in, were playing in Dublin. And he went and he bought these, I don't know how much he paid for the tickets, but... Uh, the girl said no <laughs> and he says do you want to go so away I went um, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever been at but you wouldn't compare standing in Dublin with the watching the Eagles concert with watching it on YouTube online and I know that's quite a vulgar illustration but uh, this holds true for worship as well. There's a stillness when we meet together. There's a sense of worship in God's presence that you can't get online. But secondly, another reason: biblical truths are best learned together. The writer of the Hebrews writes, "Let us draw near to God." Doesn't he? He always says, "Let us." He says, "Let us draw near to God." He says, let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. And Paul, when he's writing to the church at Ephesus, he's talking to them as a whole church. Oh, I would love it. I would love it if you were able to comprehend what is the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God. I want you to do it together. Learning together. Again, that's something you can't get online. And finally, there are things you may be able to d- develop alone as a Christian, such as your faith. And I've met many people who go, I don't go to church, I just have a wee faith of my own. And you can be a Christian that way, but you're missing out. Um, there are things you may be able to develop, such as faith and, and your hope. But how can, you, how can you develop love for the brothers and sisters in Christ online? It needs to be eventual face-to-face. Love needs an object. There needs to be that connection. And Christ says, all people will know
1: that you're my disciples. Not by how you dress. Not by the type of songs
0: even, you know, that whether it's lively music or solemn music, that's not
1: going to tell them. It's going to be your love for one another. And again, it falls short online, doesn't it?
0: So may I encourage you to think about returning to the church, or if you've been watching online and you've never been to Ballycrock and Presbyterian Church, please would love to have you come and visit us and to stay with us and to be a part of our family. You'll be made very, very welcome we live in days that are very fragile. We look at the news in Russia and in Ukraine and China threatening Taiwan, and we've got the cost of living crisis, which is probably going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And as a body of Christ, we're called by Christ to support one another in the good times and in the bad times. And we'd like to do that for you. Paul writes that when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. In the next couple of weeks, the elders are going to be coming uh, around uh, members of the congregation with this little booklet. It's called Another Look, and it was, it's been printed by Church House um, as we were coming out of lockdown. I'd like, to have you, I'd like you to have a wee look at that, uh, a wee perspective. It sort of is asking you questions such as, another look at the world, another look at others in my life, another look at church, another look at myself, another look at God. Because during that lockdown period, there were many people saying that as they got off the hamster wheel, they started to think about things that were really important in their lives. So they're, they're going to be bringing that around in a wee letter with it and a couple of things. Um, and I'd like you to have we read at it. You know, each of you are of incredible value to us, to the church. You're incredible value, and um, we'd love to have you as a valued part of our fellowship here. May we be a part of your family, and may you be a part of our family. May we be one family. Let's pray. Father, we just we thank you, Lord, that. Um, we thank you, Lord, for the love, for the power of love. And Lord, that sounds like a song, but it just thank you for the intensity of your love that took you fully committed and walked up that road and were nailed to that cross. And Lord, what did you say when you got up there? Father, forgive them. And Lord, I thank you that you have started a church in Ecclesia. You've started a church here in Ballycrocken. Father, for people to come and meet you, to meet in your presence, to know your touch, to know your healing touch, to know your move amongst us, to know your support. And Father, I pray that you would unite us more and more as a body, as a family in this church. That Lord, that that if if one part is bleeding, that we would run to their aid. Or if one part is rejoicing, that we would laugh and rejoice with them. Lord, give us a vision in our hearts for what it means really to be the church, the people of Jesus Christ, his bride. So I ask these things, Lord, and I pray, Father, that as I come back um, in September, Lord, that that we might not get carried away with just putting programs in our diaries. Those things are important. And Father, I pray that we might come around your feet and ask you what your programs are and what your schedule is and where you plan to be in Bartley Crockett this year. In Jesus Christ, we ask these things. In our lovely Saviour's name. Amen. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing an oldie, a BB number, but it's very,
1: very appropriate for the passage. May your anchor hold.
0: Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be
1: with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.